let's explore asceticism and five other spiritual poems. This is Lama Jigme Gyatso. Welcome to Meditate Like a Jedi. Today's first poem, Asceticism. Oh, how exhausting it could be to forever strive to shove some things away while ever contriving to pull other things toward us. Asceticism, literal or figurative, is folly. There is no need to scoop out our brain or nor gouge out our eyes, nor rupture our eardrums, nor cut off our nose, nor tear out our tongue, nor peel off our skin. For our six senses are not what haunts us, as much as our impulsive craving of body, as well as the clinging of our mind. Liberation is not found in the dulling of our senses, nor in the undermining of our mindfulness, but could be found in allowing the mind to insightfully relax, release, and flow with every exhalation. Anyone could be taught to walk the path, but to master mindfulness, insight, and compassion to the point of practicing them spontaneously, habitually, easily, and effectively is what separates the men from the boys and the master Jedi from the Padawan learners. Today's second poem, Make a Man of Me. As a child, my parents thought it would be a good idea to punish me for my disabilities. Stepfather thought it would make a man of me. All it did was put me in touch with my inner Thanos. So much so that I had to devote myself full time to the study and practice of nutrition, philosophy, and meditation, just to keep from becoming the psychotic bastard I was conditioned to become. Today's third poem, Perfectionism, the Antidote to Creativity. If you want to be more creative, you must be acquiescent to your muse, whether you are tap dancing with the Tao, flowing with the force, dancing with the Dharmakaya, or hustling with the Holy Spirit. If we wish to remain inspired, no less grow in creativity. When a moment of inspiration hits, take action. Do not wait for a better time. Do not wait for a better idea. Act, for there is magic in the moment. Some tell me they are frightened. They will produce garbage. 
but one of my teachers assured me that churning out a lot of garbage is the price we pay to crank out a little gold. If our perceptions are vulnerable to our creativity, if our actions are vulnerable to our spontaneity, if our if in our vulnerability we can nakedly view the product of each endeavor, good, bad, or meh, then growth and evolution and refinement will spontaneously occur. Perfectionism is the antidote to creativity and is a profoundly efficient way to stand in our own way. Let us notice a perfectionism's impulses when they rear their scabby heads, and may we be quick to release them as we relax into each out-breath. Today's fourth poem, Bastion of Truth. While searching for unlicensed images, my web designer and I happened upon articles enumerating the exploits of the self-appointed who strive to defrock nuns and monks, claiming them to be unworthy of what little alms they subside upon. But the enlightened one himself never sanctioned such, such self-righteous folly. Tell me, O self-appointed bastion of the faith, how many hours you spend in meditation every day, how many hours spent in study, how many three-year retreats have you sat for denying robe-clad beggars what little alms or good fortune they may receive is a pale substitute for actually traversing the bodhisattva's path. Generosity is not given because it is deserved. Generosity is given because it is required. Required by both the recipient as well as the giver alike. Either We are either in the business of loving and giving, whatever resources or skills we possess, or we are in the business of judging the worthiness of others as if we were their betters. Both the path of giving and the path of judging we cannot walk, for they diverge in opposite directions, the former climbing to nirvana, the latter descending ever deeper into samsara. Such is the folly of fundamentalism, the poison that is patriarchy. Choose mindfulness, passive, vulnerable, and non-conceptual. Choose insight, relaxing, releasing, and flowing. Choose compassion, centered, 
spontaneous, and uncontrived, and everything else could tend to itself. Today's fifth poem, oops, I squeezed the warm, wet bar of soap too tightly. It slipped from my grip and skittered across the cold, tiled floor like Luke's speeder hovering over the sands of Tatooine. Behold the folly of grasping. Today's sixth and final poem, Sexless Marriage. Saddened and frustrated, a husband confided in me that his wife no longer made love to him. He expressed his bewilderment that she had not eagerly met his needs, and that he felt what she needed was to be convinced through logic and guilt and ultimatums. I pled with him not to take that course, for that is not how intimacy works. I explained that if his wife could not or would not meet his needs, that could be a symptom of a larger order issue of greater emotional needs unmet by both husband and wife. I, I encouraged him to seek couples counseling with the goal of learning how to be a better husband and better meet the needs of his wife, and to also be open to the possibility that some problems cannot be fixed, and that if she feels that she would be happier with another or alone, then to gently and respectfully let her go. I tried to explain that our partners are not coin-operated pleasure-dispensing machines, but are rather multifaceted beings with complex and sometimes contradicting needs. I tried to explain that if he could be happy in a sexless relationship, he should stay. That she was not disposable, ready to be thrown away. But if this lack of passion was just the tip of the iceberg of dissatisfaction, if there was a multitude of irritants, then one must ask, is this friendship worth fighting for? For yes, we are sexual beings, but no, we are not just sexual beings, multifaceted we are, with many strengths, weaknesses, talents, needs, and desires. How often during our courtship does each party hide their authentic self and then startle in surprise? 
When once revealed, their authentic selves are found to be incompatible. Even a sexless relationship could thrive if the friendship is strong and vibrant. But if no compatibility is present, then no amount of effort can fix it. Far too often we pair out of desperation, too blinded by our fantasies of who we hope they are. To their authentic self, actually see. Courtship is exhilarating, both terrifying and enchanting. How could Buddha's path help to sort this out in the midst of courtship's turmoil or relationship's crisis as well? During the inhalation, we could silently and mentally recite passionate. As vulnerably, we open ourselves to feel our present moment turmoil. And during the exhalation, we could silently and mentally recite, yet empty, as we physically relax and then emotionally release as best we can. We could persist with this for five minutes or so, and while this might not, like the panacea of myth, all problems fix, it could give us the calmness, clarity, and compassion to be our best selves, regardless of counseling's outcome. If we navigate from peace and love, then we most certainly have won. For the secret of a fulfilling life lies not in always getting our way, but in learning how to be peaceful and loving and happy when, when we do not get our way. Let us conclude with a simple call to action. This podcast will never have any advertisements, so support us monthly on PayPal and like us on your podcast service to help others find us, just as you found us as well. If meditation is felt impossible, boring, or just out of reach, you are welcome to register for the next series of live online meditation class webinars that meet once a week.